0: Thank you, Jim. Uh, my name is Bernadette. I'm an alcoholic. And I am Polish, Polish American. <laughs> I would say that, but I get that. I get to that uh, later. Uh, so I was born. I was raised in Poland, and like everybody knows, in Poland, I like to drink. So whoever was drinking around me was not kind of unusual thing. It was just a normal thing, and I if I really remember my family drinking a lot I know my father was drinking a lot but later on my grandfather was drinking but I think he was a controlling a controlling alcoholic he he drank but the next day he woke up he went to work and was no problem for him so my childhood was kind of normal but then when I was 10 years old uh, Tragedy stuck, and my mother passed away. And me, as a 10-year-old girl, you know, I needed that attention, and I didn't have it anymore. So I was starving for, for that attention, everyone. I just wanted everyone to praise me, to pat, pat me on my shoulder. So, and I wanted to hear you're doing good, you're doing good, especially you know, ah, without the mother, You're really doing good. But Noah kept telling me those things. So I was starving for the attention even more and more. And I did have a good grades because that was my goal, because I promised my mother to go to school, to go to college and get the good grades. But then the time came when I discovered alcohol. So actually alcohol did everything what I, I wanted and my drinking really was progressive when i started working it was even even more because those days in poland everybody were drinking you know that was the day when you couldn't get any deal without alcohol wherever you wanted to do something you had to have a bottle with you so And finally, my drinking was already very noticeable. So I came with that brilliant idea in 1981. So I would leave the country. Because probably if I move to different country, I leave Poland, I would achieve all these things I couldn't have in Poland. Like a typical alcoholic, if I have this, or if I get this, or if I go there, so I don't need to drink. A big mistake. Because finally, you know, I first I went to Austria to the refugee camp. And I was then there for seven months. And at that time, I was 25 years old. And from Austria, they sent me to the United States to California. And it was a paradise for me. Because alcohol was so cheap over there compared the one in Poland. And I got the job in Convalescent Home. So those old people, they didn't know I was drunk or not. I didn't speak English then. So, but I managed somehow. And then I found, of course, people, you know, they were drinking the same like, like me. And I got the basically the green light to do whatever I wanted because no one knew me over there. So I could drink whatever I wanted, with whom I wanted, what I wanted. But at that time, I never get to the drugs. I don't know, because I was really scared because when I was still in Poland, Jimi Hendrix and Janice Joplin, the overdose. And that kind of really scared me. I said, oh my God, no, no, never drugs, never drugs. I did smoke a couple of times marijuana, but never to the heavy drugs. And then I found him, of course, the same refugee from Poland, like I, like I was, you know, and we were drinking. And he was, Mark was working for Hewlett-Packard. He did have a really good job in Santa Rosa. But then he lost the job because of the drinking. And I had no clue, you know, how everything worked. I did have an all kind of job. Like, then I, I quit the job at the convalescent home and I was, you know, working for the motels. Like a cleaning lady, all kind of <laughs> the minimum wage, but I was always managed to to buy some alcohol. It's like when I look at back right now, I was really one at the time for me those days, and this was my American dream, and I was chasing to the different continent, especially American dream, living in California, and I was drowning in alcohol. I was already so. In my drinking, I just didn't know how to stop. I needed that alcohol, the obsession was there. And then I remember my Mark, he was working for some guy. Then we moved from San Francisco to Los Angeles County and he was working, that was 1987. And between that was many car accidents, all this stuff, you know, but he was working some Polish guy. And the meantime, he was arrested for not paying the fine for DUI. Because those days, you know, the DUI was not that really, I mean, it was not so expensive. Let's put it this way. And when he came back from jail to that guy, and that guy said, where have you been in jail? And he, Mark goes, yeah. Um, what happened? He goes, "Ah, oh, you know, I think I drink too much. And that guy said, you know what? I know some Polish people. They don't drink and they meet like once a month or something like that. And Mark came home. And I remember we were just leaving like a basement already because I quit my job. I was working for the company I quit because I didn't want to call any more. I was sick. So when he came home and he told me that, and I just go, you know what? If you have a problem, you just go and call those people because I don't have a problem. I'm going to find another job and I'll be fine you you know i was blaming him you cannot work you are the only one you know and i am the one working paying the bills and all this all these things but what happened we didn't our phone was disconnected those days we didn't have a cell phones so he went to the (laughs) booth and he he called for the number and that happened when those i think it was like five people came on saturday And I was looking at them, and I was like, oh my goodness, those are alcoholics? It was hard for me to believe it. And they took us to the first meeting, 1987 in February, to, to Hollywood, North Hollywood. And there was a speaker meeting. And the speaker was Ray Jeffers. And when he got to the podium and he said, my name is Ray Jeffers, I am an alcoholic and for me it was like electricity came down because i was like wow here is there you no know, non person and he he's not ashamed to say i'm an alcoholic so after that after i heard him i didn't have a problem also i realized i do have a drinking problem so me and mark we stopped drinking stop And that's it, but we didn't go to any meetings, nothing. And the Polish people, they were thinking we were going to the meetings, to English-speaking meetings, but we didn't go nowhere. Because those Polish people, the group of the Polish people, they were already involved in AA, but in English-speaking AA. But we didn't go nowhere. So we just didn't drink. And, you know... Not drinking is not enough. So after six years, all the fear, all the resentments, all these character defects came and I didn't know how to live. I was so scared. I was so afraid of everything. And my girlfriend came from Germany and they were sitting and she goes like, you know what in Germany is a non-alcoholic beer. Maybe." Maybe you can buy this and try this. So I went to the store and sure, in America was also the non-alcoholic beer. And I started from the non-alcoholic beer. So after six years not drinking, I indulged myself with the non-alcoholic beer, but then it was not enough. Because, you know, me as an alcoholic, I need the change in my head. It's not just that the taste. The taste was like beer. But I was looking for the results and didn't give it to me. So soon I started drinking regular beer. And then I got really scared because that was like in January 1993. And the first weekend was okay. So wow, I can control my drinking. And then the second, or third one, I just went back to the same, like was the six years before. I couldn't control my drinking anymore. And I was scared because at the time when I was not drinking, I got the job at the post office. And that was really, was a good job. I didn't want to lose it. And also I think my pride was here because I didn't want like everybody would know at the post office, I have a drinking problem. Because we did have a couple of people at the post office, they did have a drinking or drug problem. So, you know, everybody pointed them with the fingers. So, or, you know, they didn't treat them right. So I was so scared somebody would find. And I was trying to control my drinking for like six months. And finally, June 14th, 1993, I just found myself laying on the carpet, surrounded by empty bottles. And of course, Mark also started drinking. We we both were drinking together. I was surrounded by empty bottles by the ashtrays and I woke up I didn't go to work for t- two days already I felt sick but I couldn't lie anymore and I went to the bathroom I looked at the mirror and I started like, cursing myself I said what the heck are you doing to yourself are you killing yourself and you know what it's what, like to my head popped my mom she died when she was 34 years old because there was no help for her she died from leukemia and i did have a help and i didn't want it or i couldn't get it and and i called one of those people from the from the polish people and i asked if they could come and frank he came and he was just like i was waiting for that and he took me to the hospital and they told me I needed some paper for work. And they told me next day to report to Kaiser. That was like outpatient program. So I was going like in the morning over there for a couple hours and then I was coming home. And after that, you know, it was like <laughs> my ex-husband, then he was already my, Mark was already my husband because we got married in the meantime. I surrounded myself to the program because at the treatment they told me, an outpatient program, actually, they told me to find a sponsor, go to meetings, the simple things. And I did that. And I asked one of the Polish ladies, I knew it from the six years before, and she only asked me those magical words. Are you going to listen? I say yes, I will. And Mark, he didn't want to surrender to, to the program. He didn't want to do anything. He just wanted not to drink like was before. And I knew I need some change because I didn't want to feel the way how I felt. I didn't want to carry those secrets any longer, nothing. So I started to do those program. And you know, what? like we say, I am not atheist. I was not a strongly believer either. I was not a religious person. So for me, it really didn't matter because the, the word God didn't bother me at all in the big book because I didn't even pay attention to that word. you know. The only thing what I wanted, I wanted to stop drinking. I wanted to change my thinking. I wanted to change my life. And it was good because my sponsor didn't force me, didn't point it to me here. If you don't find the higher power or, you know, just believe that you are not the higher power or something. You know, you have to find something stronger than you. But if you don't find God, you're not gonna stay sober like the Bible says no, no one pointed to me, no one forced on me and I just did and I know for myself. the most important was that my first step because I was always thinking, you know the second part <laughs> my life had become manageable. I didn't want to accept that because I was thinking long as I was paying my bills somehow, so my life was manageable. But the rest, didn't care powerless okay yeah because when I pick up the drink I knew I tried because after six years I started drinking again right but the second part I did have a problem but I accepted that and then I moved to the fourth step and really the nature of my wrongs and that was the key thing for me because finally I found out why I was so scared why I was shy why I was so resentful and first time in my life, I was talking to to dad, with my sponsor. And we found these things. Why I was so selfish, why I was so self-centered. Because I was so scared all my life. I was doing everything, just look okay outside. And inside, I was dying. I was afraid to ask anybody, I was afraid to die, but outside, I was you know, showing everybody like I I have everything together, and was not. And after the fourth and fifth step, I think I just got my kind of freedom, and I found my character different when I you know, when I was trying to control myself. So right now, after after those many years, when when I look at these things, and I say, oh, you have to read the word God, you have to ask God, you have to go on your knee. My sponsor never asked me to do those things, so I, I was fortunate also because I don't know if I would stay. I don't know because I, I was, I was never a religious person. I did all those things what the Catholic Church told me because because everybody did in Poland. But then, when I was drinking, I, I was not going to change nothing. I didn't make any confession, nothing. said for what? For I'm going to make a confession if you know tomorrow I'm going to do the same thing. Did didn't make any sense to me. So so I get to the program, get the commitments. Like everybody told me, you have to do this, you have to do this, you know. I went to the prisons, to the women's prison, and guys too, and the treatments, and all this service, secretary, all these things. And, you know, and that helped me a lot because I got involved. I felt like I belong somewhere. And I, I did have a great women at my meeting when I started going, and they always. Oh, I was so scared. I, I couldn't even look at anybody because oh my god, everybody knows what's really going on with me. I was so scared, and all these women were so lovely, and they said, "Okay, just sit down. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay." And I remember I did have a couple, maybe five years so In the meantime, of course, I we got divorced with Mark, Mark because. You know, he didn't want to do anything. He didn't want any changes, nothing. He just wanted to do it his way. That's fine. You know, we didn't have children, so really nothing stopped me from getting divorced. And when I got like five years sober, big change came to me. That's when, you know, I felt like so calm. I was walking on the pink clouds. Like I know everything, everybody, you know, because five years sober and, and I forgot about my character defects. I'm still self-centered. I'm still selfish. <laughs> I am still full of pride, you know. And I said, I'm so grateful for those women at the meeting. And I was with no sponsor that time. So no one really showed me, hey, look, maybe you should just look at this way or this way. But those women, they remember it was an English Dorothy. And I said, Bernadette, sit down next to me. And I did. And she goes, You know what? I've been noticing something's wrong with you. <laughs> I'm like, what? 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 You know, like, What? What What's happened? I'm doing everything that I supposed to. No, no, your attitude changed a lot since I know you. You just give it up a little bit of the commitments and just take care of yourself because you're doing everything for everybody right now. And you just. Don't do anything with you. Just go to the basics. And I did. And I did. And, and my life was okay. Again, and I started traveling. And then I met my second husband. He was a supervisor at the post office. And then he got transferred to Iowa from California. And I kind of followed him to Iowa. <laughs> it was a big mistake. But, you know, <laughs> when you love somebody, you just follow but Iowa was not the place for me you know moving from California to Iowa was hard and plus you know I got so used to, to my friends from my fellowship in California to the AA in California and Midwest is not the same it's not and now those days we didn't have online meetings we didn't have cell phones yet <laughs> I mean now the cell phones yeah we did have already the cell phones but we didn't have online meetings nothing and Finally, you know, after three years, we moved back to California. And what happened, um, and I was working for the post office again in San Diego County. My husband also, Larry, was working for the post office. And, you know, you never know what happened in our life. I was thinking everything was so great because... Everything was working. We did like you know, like when you look at outside, pretty much you got everything what you need. And one day I came from the from work and I opened the garage and it was my husband hanging over there. And here in one second, the whole life collapsed for me. I didn't know what to do. I was glad I was, I shut the garage and I called 911. And, you know, I don't know if I didn't notice or he was hiding pretty good the depression. So right now, you know, I don't say anybody freaking, you know what, don't be a doctor in AA or whatever, because Larry was not in AA. But don't give any... But the advice, this is not good or this is not good. Because you see, I didn't notice that. But I know one thing, it was not for AA, I don't know what would happen to me. Because basically the AA people carried me. They came, always what I needed, they were calling me. It was hard. But I had to move on because, you know what? I didn't have anybody over there. I was by myself. I had to pay my bills. I had to do those things. And time goes on. Like they said, you know, the time he's there, wounds. And I was, again, I was involved in AA. I was doing, but that time when Larry passed, I was 15 years sober and you know i didn't even think not even once about pick up the drink i wanted to start smoking but <laughs> i didn't either so then i was really kind of like thinking about what what the heck i'm going to do in here by myself and i went to poland and my half a brother my i have a brother who lives in germany and he still drinks so I don't have a really contact with him, but I have also half a brother because my father in So my half a brother says, you know, why don't you move back to Poland? I go, you know, move back to Poland, I need some income, but I don't have any because I don't qualify for the time and nothing yet. So, so then it was 2011, I came to Poland again. And I was so kind of, I was kind of happy in here because I was surrounded with even my friends and and my family and all these things. And and I I went back to the United States and there was the announcement of the wall, whoever wants to get the early retirement, you have to sign out. And I'm like, here I am, I can do that. And I, it was also you know, like, you're not going to be penalized. You can keep your insurance and all these things. And at that time I was 55 years old, not even. So, so here my fear came again. I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? And also, you know, so I lost the house, all my money down. I put $150,000 down and I got the house in 2007. And then the crisis came, so I lost everything, $150,000. And I said, what am I going to do in here? And I said, you know what, whatever. I'm moving back to Poland. And that's what happened. You know, in 2012, I moved back in here, scared because, you know, I haven't lived in here for three years. So the country was completely different because I left Poland was communist. When I came back was different. The only thing was I was speaking the language because I didn't even have my Polish ID, nothing. No passport, nothing. But you know, I got my birth certificate, so it was no problem. So you know, and and then I was thinking, okay, here I am, 30 years in United States. And I took with me to Poland, I sent that 15 boxes. I loaded the car and I shipped the car. And then when I was flying, I took my cat with me and that's it. And I came it was hard for me, it was really hard because you know, the AA was different a little bit. I mean, AA is the same, but it's different. Unfortunately, you know, especially California AA is very liberal, you know, Jim. <laughs> it's like it's, it's different even than midwest and here it was like they didn't i can't really say they welcomed me but they didn't want to hear about aa how is in america they asked me but then when i said something, okay, okay. we don't want to hear that we don't want to the changes in here when i came in here was no sponsorship yet nothing people there just got sober they they didn't drink. They were just basically drunk. They were going to meetings, but no sponsorship. But slowly, and surely, because many Polish people, they, they travel on board for a job like to England, to, to Ireland, and they came back with the program already. So it was like in 2012, the program came to Poland. I would say the program came to Polak. And, you know, I accepted the things what, what are in here. I knew I can't change anything. If I can, I can. Somebody asked me, maybe it would be this different or this different, but, you know, I'm not forcing anything. I got involved in AA in here, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I travel a lot right now. <laughs> That's why, I mean, it's because yes, Poland got a good location, the middle of, of Europe. And also, when I travel, I also put it to my itinerary, you know, to go to meetings in different countries. So I was like, many, many different countries, even in India, <laughs> in Australia, New Z- no, not New Zealand, but China and Japan and all these places. And you know what the language of the heart is everywhere. doesn't matter where we go. I always enjoy the international convention, and probably you know next convention I'm planning on going to and And you know about the secular meetings. I never really thought about secular I'm not going really say secular I kinda. I don't. I don't even know how I get to our secular meeting online. Somebody sent me the link, and I get over there. And I started liking that because giving a different point of view on certain things, like we say now, we can. We can stay sober without God, how Jeffrey Moon says, we can. Because basically, I'm staying sober. Really, I'm staying sober without God. Because I'm not even repeating. I'm not saying God, God, God. Even if I mention something, so I always say higher power. From the beginning of my sobriety, I never said God word. No. Because then I I know, okay. God doesn't have nothing to do. I have to do the job. And I know... If I am staying around people they don't drink, i would be okay. I have to control my behavior. This is not just like six, seven steps. Says, Okay, we have to ask him on our knee or whatever it is, you know, to remove my shortcomings. No. If I don't want to remove the shortcomings, no one's going to do it for me. I have to do it myself. I have to be aware of it. So that's what happened. You know, I don't know how I get to this, to these meetings. I'm going to regular meetings too, because I like it. You know, from the very beginning, if somebody was talking too much about God or, or the Catholic God, especially, I, I opened my mouth. and said, you know what? This is not a religious program. I'm sorry. Because a newcomer who walks to this door, you can scare him. Because I know how I was. If I had a sponsor, if she would talk to God about God to me, probably I wouldn't stay. Because I didn't want to do something but I really do not believe it. And I don't think so many newcomers, they come into this room, they are so close to God. Doesn't matter what kind of God is that. And I think it's a different way to approach those people and show them the way how they're supposed to stay. And that's what I am trying to do. See, I am I am online right now. I'm, I connect to those meetings in, in United States, thank God right now to, to the online, to Zoom. But also, you see, I go to regular meeting, and I know some people that, is, that are skeptical about the God thing or the candle because in Poland most of the meetings they still have a candles. They don't pray our father, but they still have a candles. So then after the meeting I approach that person and I explain it and I talk about the online secular meeting. And I always give her the phone number as you know if you want to know more about it, just call me. So, this is my job right now. And I am so glad I was able to share with you guys whatever. <laughs> and sorry about my English. <laughs> I haven't spoken for like 10 years in, in English, speech, give a speech in English. But I need that. I need that. I need to do it more often because you know what? It's like I never thought I would forget the second language, but it is possible. It is possible. I never forget my first language, but I can forget my second. So thank you so much. One more time, Jim. Thank you for inviting me. And thank you.